Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vandervliet, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. And welcome to another episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. E. Vandervliet here, of course. I am with my trusted canine co-host, Woody. His mom is here, by the way, Tinks. So I got Tinks and Woody here at the show as the alms dogsmen. So today, this episode is the China episode. That's right, China. You know, I, I went down a rabbit hole the last couple of days and just read some articles, uh, past articles, on what are China's goals for themselves right now and how do they impact America. So we're going to delve into that a little bit. I'm not going to get too deep into there, but I just want to present to you that there is a threat. There is a threat in China. And, you know, with Trump as president of the United States, that threat was going to be minimized. They were going to be held back. And I say going to be because we don't know if Trump's going to retain his presidency. We want him to here at the PBO podcast. But as it stands right now, Joe Biden is the presumptuous elected president of the United States of America. And what's his relationship with China? Well, there's some tells that have already come up about that as well. But first, let's talk about communism because China is a communist state. Now, it's a blended economy. We don't want to make sure we want to make sure you get that right. Just about actually every con- economy in the world is a blended economy. We, the United States, are a blended economy. We like to say we're a capitalist economy, but we're not. We're not a pure capitalist economy. We are a blended economy with capitalism and some socialism thrown in there as well. So uh, we got to acknowledge that. But communism, what is the definition of communism? From Merriam-Webster, I mean, not the best source anymore, I know. But from Merriam-Webster, the definition of communism is Communism is a system in which goods are owned in common and are available to all as needed, a theory advocating advocating elimination of private property. So those two things, in my opinion, contradict each other. Uh, so a system in which goods are owned in common and are available to all as needed. So if you eliminate private property, you you have no property. You have you have nothing. So my Automobile is my property. Uh, if you watch the podcast on YouTube, you see guitars hanging in the background. Those are my property. Well, communism eliminates all of that. How can you have that? You think about it. That's, that's the definition of communism, a theory advocating elimination of private property. And the idea is the government, the state, provides for you. And it's never worked. In fact, it, it's not working, and it hasn't worked in communist China. It hasn't worked in communist, the communist Soviet Union. hasn't worked in communist Cuba. I mean, you can say Venezuela is socialism, but it's more communistic than anything else. hasn't worked there either. In fact, it hasn't worked anywhere in the history of mankind. And China is a great example of this because in the 1970s, their people were starving. This gave rise to the wet markets, the wet markets that they first told us the coronavirus came from. Remember that? It was a lie, but that's what they told us it all came from. Because it's easy. If you, ever, if you do any history or any research on the wet markets, they're disgusting. I mean, they're cages stacked upon cages of animals that are secreting all kind of fluids and such, and they all mix together. And it's just, a, it's, it's disgusting to even think about it. And the way the wet markets came about, is in the 70s, Chinese people were starving. So the communist Chinese government had to do something. They had to create something that allowed people to trade between each other so they can feed each other. 
because the people ultimately feed each other in most societies. The government can't provide. They run out of resources, whether it be money, whether it be food, doesn't matter what it is, they always run out. So if the people, if you have a communist um, government and you're providing for everybody, why do they need to work hard for anything? You know, I, I've used this anal analogy before. Uh, I visited Bulgaria uh, a while ago and it was a former communist country. And, you know, you've got these big, tall apartment towers. And on each one of these apartment towers, you have an apartment on the top floor on all four corners. And they had a balcony. Now, whether your balcony faces the city or whether it faces the countryside or even whether it faces some industrial plant, it's a nicer view than the, the schlub that has to be in the basement near the boiler room. So who gets the apartment on the top floor on the corner with the corner view versus who gets the apartment in the basement next to the boiler room? Well, the person who gets that top corner view floor is the one who is more equal in the party because i've used this phrase several times from the book animal farm all animals are equal some animals are more equal than others so you've got this th this notion that everything will be provided but it won't it can't it just can't communism cannot work it hasn't worked now then there's those individuals that think that communism hasn't worked because the right people haven't done it. I've actually met one of those people uh, back before my ban on TikTok, which is a communist com uh, company, right? Uh, hmm, interesting. But anyway, before that, I was interacting with this kid, and he was a kid. I, I don't know exactly but it, uh, what age, but I believe it was um, either high school or early college. And um, we got into this online debate about this, and he actually said to me, he actually said to me, the right person just hasn't implemented it yet. So I'm, I was curious. I kind of wanted to have a con oh, this conversation. I wanted to flesh this out. So I asked why it hasn't failed before, and his response was stunning, stunning. His response was, and I'm paraphrasing this, was that in the past, communism was tried too quickly. It just wasn't done right it wasn't done slowly it had, you needed to ease into communism because the reason that it was became so violent is because they tried to implement it so quickly i'm not kidding i'm not making that up he actually said that and uh, I, I said well what does slow look like and slow to him look like socialism first you implement socialism and you ease people in to communism now here's this kid who's obviously influenced by whatever educators are feeding this garbage into his head he actually said to me he had to get off the debate because he had to go to class. But anyway, uh, he believes, and he truly believed this. This is not somebody who was joking. This is a heartfelt conversation. It was fascinating that he actually believes, one, that the right people haven't implemented it yet, and two, that it went too fast. That's why it became so violent. You, you try to work that out. And when I asked him, I want, how do I get that top apartment? Well, everybody, he says apartments. He actually said this. He actually said um, apartments actually um, take up too much space and cause more people to be homeless. I'm like, wait a minute. How does that work? If I have in one space a high rise where 100 people can live in versus one space where one family can live in, how does that work? He goes, okay, well, you're right about that. He backed off on apartments or somehow because he said everybody gets a house. I said, what if I don't want a house? What if I want an apartment? He goes, oh, well, you get a house. I go, well, I want a house. What if I want an apartment? Wait, why would you want an apartment? I go, because I don't want a house. See, and he couldn't square that. He, in his mind, everybody gets a house. Everybody gets a car. I asked, did everybody get a car? He goes, yes. I go, okay, what if I want a 1979 450 SL? 
well, you'll be provided. I go, well, wait, but what if I want this specific car? Well, you can't have it. Why can't I have it? Because you'll be provided a car. And we went round and round like that, and it was the most amazing conversation. And this is what people think. So let's go to the Communist Party in the United States because there are, I mean, there's more than two, but there's two that uh, I've touched base with, or not touched base with, but looked into. One is called the Revolutionary Communist Party USA. Now, the Revolutionary Communist Party USA has an offshoot, and that offshoot is refusefascism.org. And they've been protesting around the country leading up to this election, and of course, they refuse fascism. And they've also have links to Antifa. And they are, you, they are the leaders, by the way, in my opinion, I don't have documented proof of this, but they're the leaders, in my opinion, of Antifa. It is the Revolutionary Communist Party USA, which is a bunch of yahoos who have some kind of bookstore up in New York. This guy named Bob Avakin, Avakian is the, the nut, the, 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 I guess Yahoo is a better word, that runs this thing. And you go to his website, and one thing I've learned going to both the Revolutionary Communist Party website and the Communist Party USA website is they're horrible at websites. Their websites suck, but probably deliberately so. They, they don't want to give you all the information that they believe in, like, you know, um, subjugating everybody to totalitarian control, but they want to give you just a little bit. So I was looking at this thing here, six resolutions of the Central Committee of the Revolutionary Communist Party, uh, and all of them are about this guy, Bob Evikian. So uh, he basically is who they idolize, and it's, it's not even worth getting into, but they are, again, the leaders of the refuse fascism.org movement, which you see, uh, you saw a lot of protests recently from these guys. And what do they want to refuse? Fascism, because fascism is bad. Well, of course, fascism is bad, but so is communism, but they're communists and communists hate fascists. In fact, Antifa uh, formed out of World War II, uh, the communist parties in Italy and Germany rose up to battle Hitler and Mussolini because they didn't like fascism because they were communists because fascism, I guess, just didn't go the full length and taking total control of everything. No personal property, mind you. See, in fascism, you can have some personal property. Then we got the um, Communist Party USA. By the way, both of these entities have supported Joe Biden. They endorsed Joe Biden for president. But you've got a constitution of the Communist Party of the United States of America on their website. This was adopted at their 30th National Convention, June 15, 2014. And it goes on basically that uh, it's amazing, actually, if you read this, it's almost like reading a page out of the Democrat Party. The Communist Party USA is of and for the U.S. working class. Our U.S. working class is multiracial and multinational. It unites men and women, young and old, gay and straight, native-born and immigrant, urban and rural. We are employed and unemployed, organized and unorganized, and, all, and of all occupations. The vast majority of our society, we are a party of African-American, Mexican-American, Caribbean, Central and South American, Native American, Middle Eastern, Central, South, and East Asia, and Pacific Islanders, and all racially and nationally oppressed peoples, as well as women, youth, and all other working people. That is the first paragraph in their preamble. And the rest of this nonsense just goes on. I mean, look, there's no Caucasian in there, by the way. Um, that's an interesting omission. So where am I going with this? So the Communist Party USA, the Revolutionary Communist Party USA, they want communism in America. They want to, no, no property, nobody owns property in America. Everything is provided. Everything is given to you. You're going to live under this one rule. Why wouldn't you want it? It's utopia. 
you get everything you want. How do I tie this into the Communist Party in China? Well, China is a danger to the American way. China wants to dominate the world. Now, I'm not saying they want to dominate the world as far as um, militarily. They want to dominate the world economically. They want to dominate the world socially. Uh, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit later of what the current president of China, Z, what his goals are. He lays it out. And you see it right there. And now you, you tie in everything that's going on right now. And uh, you start to see how this can happen in our country. Because you've got these yahoos at the Communist Party USA and the Revolutionary Communist Party USA uh, filling all this nonsense in these kids' brains, like I mentioned to you before, and they easily buy into it. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the boiling frog fable. You know, the frog in the boiling water, you put him in the boiling water at his body temperature, you slowly raise it, his body temperature raises with it. All of these, these people that are following this nonsense, and that's what it is, are the frogs in the boiling water. And China knows that. Uh, I forget which leader it was in the Soviet Union. If it was Joseph Stalin or Lenin who said that Americans, they have infiltrated Americans with useful idiots. The Communist Manifesto had several um, outlines, and I've mentioned this in a previous podcast too. You know, they wanted to take over the education. They want to in infiltrate education. Well, they've done that. Infiltrate the media. Boy, have they done that. And take over one of the parties. Well, you know, I'm kind of guessing they've done that too. The Democrat Party, if you just listen to the preamble I said from the Communist Party USA's constitution, sounds a lot like the Democrats, doesn't it? So now we've got Joe Biden. Joe Biden is um, presumptuous president-elect, because uh, he's not officially president-elect yet, of the United States of America. And will he benefit the Chinese government? Because we know Trump didn't care for the Chinese government. We know Trump enacted a lot of things, um, tariffs and sanctions and whatnot on the Chinese government. He knew, uh, he knows the threat that is China, just like Reagan knew what the threat of the Soviet Union was. And Reagan, you know, uh, entered a Cold War with, with Russia. In fact, uh, this is from The Hill, a, uh, how Ronald Reagan won the Cold War. As Ronald Reagan assumed the presidency, he was greatly troubled by what he saw around the world. For more than three decades, the U.S. and its allies had striven to contain communism through a series of diplomatic, economic, and military initiatives that had cost hundreds of billions of dollars and tens of thousands of lives. Yet communism still gripped the Soviet Union, Eastern and Central Europe, China, Cuba, Vietnam, and North Korea, and had spread to sub-Saharan Africa, Afghanistan, and Nicaragua. Uh, in his first presidential press conference, Reagan stunned official Washington by denouncing the Soviet leadership as still dedicated to world revolution and one world socialist communist state. As he wrote in his official autobiography, I decided we had to send as powerful a message as we could to the Russians that we weren't going to stand by anymore while they armed and financed terrorists and subverted democratic governments. And here we are kind of dealing with the same thing with China. Um, China has funded other countries, uh, North Korea being one of them, but you know, we actually stepped in. Trump did a pretty good job at stepping in North Korea and stopped them from all that sable-rattling they were doing. But, but China is a different kind of threat than the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union did want to control you uh, totalitarian. They wanted total control. And Reagan recognized that, and he, he basically spent them into oblivion. That's how he won the Cold War. And China 
is a little different. Now, China, what China did, as I mentioned, their people were starving in the 70s, so they had to open up the wet market so their people can trade. And China started letting um, capitalism seep in because it's the only way they, they could feed their people and support their people. So where am I going with this? This is the whole thing is China. Here's an article from Forbes. China's grand plan to take over the world. Uh, when the U.S. and ultimately the rest of the Western world began to engage China, resulting in China finally being allowed into the World Trade Organization in the early 2000s, no one really expected the outcome as we see today. Uh, and this was written, by the way, on November 12, 2019. So let's see, John Maudlin wrote this piece. Uh, there is no simple disengagement path. Given the scope and economic and legal entanglements that isn't a trade we can simply walk away from, but it is also one that, if allowed to continue in its current form, could lead to a loss of personal freedom from Western for Western civilization. It really is that much of an existential a threat, let's put it that way. Uh, doing nothing isn't an especially good option because, like it or not, the world is becoming something quite different than we expected just a few years ago. Not the technologically, uh, but geopolitically, not just technologically, but geopolitically and socially. Uh, China and the West. And it goes on to talk about, you know, the Cold War. China was a huge impoverished odd duck in those years in the Cold War. It said in the late 1970s, China's began slowly opening to the West. Change unfolded gradually. But by the 1990s, serious people wanted to bring China into the modern world and China wanted to join. Uh, understand that China's total GDP in 1980 was under $90 billion in current, dollar, in current dollars. Uh, today, it is over $12 trillion. The world has never seen enormous economic growth in such a short time. Meanwhile, the Soviet Union collapsed and the internet was born. The U.S. as sole superpower saw opportunities everywhere. American businesses shifted production to lower cost countries. Thus came the incredible extension of globalization. And those lower cost countries, what are they? Well, China. Uh, now, this is an interesting article. And it's interesting in who published this article that I'm going to share it with you next. Uh, it's from the Atlantic. Remember the Atlantic? They're the, the very far left rag that said President Trump disparaged our men and women in the military. It was totally debunked. But I found this interesting that I found this article in the Atlantic. Now, this is dated May 31st, 2017 from Graham Allison. What Xi Jinping wants is President Xi of China. China's leader is determined to turn this, his country into the biggest player in the history of the world. Can he do it while advocating a dangerous collision with America? Keep in mind. This was written in 2017. What does China's President Xi want? Four years before Donald Trump became President Xi, became the leader of China and announced an economic, an epic vision to, in effect, make China great again, calling for the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. Xi is so convinced he will succeed in this quest that he has blatantly flouted a cardinal rule for political survival. Never state a target objective and a specific date in the, the same sentence. Within a month of becoming China's leader in 2012, Xi spe specified deadlines for meeting each of his two centennial goals. First, China will build a moderately prosperous society by doubling its 2010 per capita GDP to $10,000 by 2021 when it celebrates the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, remember that GDP, 
$10,000 by 2021. And let's second, it will become a fully developed, rich, and powerful nation by the 100th anniversary of the People's Republic in 2049. If China reaches the first goal, which it is on course to do, the IMF estimates that its economy will be 40% larger than that of the U.S., measured in terms of purchasing power parity. If China meets the second target by 2049, its economy will be triple America's. So did they meet their first goal? Not only did they meet their first goal, well, they surpassed it. Their GDP in 2019, this is 2019, was 10,261. So they met it before their 2021 goal. So China is on par, on pace right now to meet their 2049 goal, 2049 goal of having an economy triple the size of the United States of America. Now, how are they going to do that? Well, how, you know, look at what's going on with the coronavirus. This is the conspiracy part, right? Let's put our, our tinfoil hats on. Is how, do you, how do you bring the world, a world power to its knees? Remember, again, it was either Lenin or Stalin that says, uh, you know, we're going to use useful idiots in the United States. And then it was uh, Kreshnev, I think it was, uh, Nikolai Kreshnev, one of the leaders of the Soviet Union, that said that um, America will be brought down from within. Look what's going on in our nation right now. President Trump has been um, fierce with China. Uh, he's been mentioning China a lot since the beginning of his presidency, since before his presidency, he has seen them as a threat economically to the United States, in effect, to the world. China wants to be the world-dominated country in, ec in the economics, economically, let me rephrase that, I'm sorry, the economically dominant country in the world. They want to dominate the world through economically, okay? They want to be the powerhouse, the superpower. They are a superpower. They weren't before. They weren't around the fall of the Soviet Union, but now they are. And we're seeing an outcome of that. The coronavirus brought us to our knees. It brought us to our knees. If President Trump cannot pull off this election, and it's a tall order what he's trying to do right now, um, Biden, as our president, will not be able to achieve the economic results that President Trump achieved prior to the coronavirus and what he would be able to achieve if he were to have a second term. The Chinese know this. Their, their goal is by 2049 to be the world-dominant power economically, and if they meet their goal in 2049, this is according to the Atlantic, they'll triple America's economy. So let's, let's go on to the article. What does China's dramatic transformation mean for the United States and the global balance of power? Uh, Singapore's Lee Kuan Yew, who before his death in 2015 was the world premier China watcher, had a pointed answer about China's stunning trajectory over the past 40 years. The size of China's displacement uh, of the world balance is such that the world must find a new balance. It is not possible to pretend that this is just another big player. This is the biggest player in the history of the world. And that's what China wants. So Z President Xi of China has announced his plan, his long-term goal. These aren't short-term goals. That's not how the communists think. The communists think in long-term because they have to. They don't, they don't have a, I mean, if you look at what communism is, remember that kid I was telling you about who said that um, they just didn't do it right? So now we've got the goals of the Chinese 
clearly spelled out. And if Biden is president, you, I mean, he's already given overtures to China. He's already said that China is not a threat. And China has already um, given him instructions. So, and then China, this, this is from the Daily Caller. Um, November 22nd, 2020, the headline is Beijing-controlled news outlet paid U.S. newspapers millions to publish propaganda this year. November 22nd, this was written, this article. And we find that Beijing-controlled news outlets, news outlet paid U.S. newspaper millions to publish propaganda. An English-language newspaper controlled by the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda department paid U.S. military companies nearly $2 million for printing and advertising expenses over the past six months, even amid heightened security over Beijing's disinformation efforts in the West. China daily paid the Wall Street Journal more than $85,000 and the Los Angeles Times $340,000 for advertising campaigns between May and October 2020. According to a disclosure that the propaganda mill filed this week with the Justice Department under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA. China daily also paid foreign policy magazines $100,000, the Financial Times, a UK-based newspaper, $223,710, and $132,046 to the Canadian outlet Globe and Mail for advertising campaigns, according to the filing. The Beijing-based outlet paid several newspaper companies a total of $1,154,666 for printing costs, including $110,000 to the Los Angeles Times, $92,000 to the Houston Chronicle, and $76,000 to the Boston Globe. So are you going to try to tell me the Chinese aren't trying to uh, make headway into America? Are you going to try to tell me that the Chinese aren't interested in from within hurting our country? Now, this from Breitbart News, China issues instructions for incoming Biden administration. It says, obey Beijing, do not challenge China's assumed economic superiority, and open your domestic markets without restraint. These are the three key instructions for Joe Biden issued in an op-ed published Sunday by the Global Times, official propaganda mouthpiece of the Communist Chinese Party. So we've got China... And by the way, here's another article from CNBC, and this was written January 13, 2020. The headline, China is the most serious threat to the United States, says former security advisor to Obama. So, and you know, Trump, he is, there's another article from New York Post, Trump to implement China crackdown before Joe Biden takes office, because he realizes Joe Biden's weak. He's weak to China. President Trump is preparing a human rights and trade crackdown on China in the next two months in a bid to force President-elect Joe Biden to continue a hardline approach after he takes office January 20. So Biden, uh, on the other side, and this is from the Washington Free Beacon, uh, Biden pledges to collaborate with CCP in Chinese language newspaper. Formerly anti-CCP newspaper now attends regime junkets. This was released October 30th, 2020 from the Free Beacon staff. Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden promised a more collaborative approach to China in an op-ed published in a Chinese language newspaper whose editors frequently attended junkets organized by the Chinese government. Biden published an op-ed in the World Journal, a U.S. newspaper widely read by the Chinese American community on October 22nd, World Journal, which is owned by a tiny Taiwanese news conglomerate, historically had its anti-CCP tilt, but 
has become open to Beijing in recent years. The newspaper's editors have attended annual conferences hosted by the Chinese government and reportedly complied with the demand from the Chinese consulate to scrub an advertisement about the Falun Gong and as, as opposed religious movement. So Biden is already making overtures that he wants to work with China. Remember him famously saying that uh, China's not a bad guy, something like that? Remember, remember saying something where, you know, China, they're, they're, you don't have to fear China. You know, has Biden ever been right on foreign policy? I mean, I, I don't recall. This is from a Wall Street Journal article. Um, Biden was wrong on the Cold War. This is dated September 4th, 2008. So in the early 80s, the U.S. was engaged in a debate over funding the Contras, a group of Nicaraguan freedom fighters attempting to overthrow the communist regime of Daniel Ortega. Mr. Biden was a leading opponent of President Ronald Reagan's efforts to fund the Contras. He also opposed Reagan's efforts to send military assistance to the pro-American government El Salvador, which at the time was battling the FMLN, a Soviet-supported Marxist group. Uh, throughout his career, Mr. Biden has consistently opposed modernization of our strategic nuclear forces. He was a fierce opponent of Reagan's SDI. Mr. Biden voted, not strategic defense initiative, Mr. Biden voted against funding SDI, saying the president's continued adherence to SDI constitutes one of the most reckless and irresponsible acts in the history of modern statecraft. Mr. Biden has remained a consistent critic, uh, critic of middle the missile defense and even opposed the U.S. dropping out of the anti-ballistic missile treaty after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, so he's been wrong on foreign affairs his entire career. He's made overtures to the Chinese government. The Chinese government has made overtures to him. And we're supposed to not worry about this? I mean, we've got the communists parties here in america they're just salivating over all of this by the way and they're you know uh there's also an article here uh institution montaigne i don't know if i'm saying that right so i apologize but uh zing china z's 2020 2021 countdown and this was dated december 18 2017 uh by philip liacor liacor uh, 2017 will be remembered as a year of the 19th Congress of the Chinese Communist Party, a key moment in the regime's history. On October 18, the party emphasized the Chinese nation's great rejuvenation under the leadership of, uh, of a much-strengthened General Secretary uh, Xi Jinping has been in power for the previous five years. No one has been able, back in 2012, to anticipate the kind of leader he was going to become. We now know better. Xi's term was not characterized by political or economic liberation. It was rather focused on the consolidation of the party's power around nationalist and patriotic ideas. With the help of the anti-corruption campaign and also the use of international affairs for domestic ends, indeed, in the eyes of Chinese leaders, foreign policy must serve the party's goals. So, and it goes on to talk about, too, how, you know, you know what China's been doing over the past decades. See, this... They're thinking in long-term goals. The Chinese Communist Party celebrates its 100th year in existence uh, next year, 2021. There was a civil war and soon after World War II, and then the Republic of China, Republic Party, took over, and they will celebrate their 100th anniversary in 2049. You see, communists, it's funny how these communist countries, they... they um, they, they celebrate and they work toward these goals that have meaning. And this is that 100-year meeting. They are going to achieve 
overachieved their goal in 2021 of having a gross domestic product over $10,000 per capita. And we're help, we're going to help them. Yeah, not me, not you, if you're listening to this, but a Biden administration. China is a threat to the U.S. China wants to be the economic superpower in the world. And Joe Biden, he doesn't seem to have a problem with that. Uh, his son scored a $1. billion deal with a company that uh, he was working with when he was smoking crack and flying on Air Force Two. So this is now potentially who's going to be leader of the free world, which currently is America. Remember what the Atlantic article stated. In Atlantic, this is a far left newspaper a rag, whatever you want to call it. In May of 31st of 2017, they talked about if China reaches its 2049 goal, their economy will be triple the size of ours. That's the Chinese threat. They want to take over economically. And you don't think this coronavirus had anything to do with that? Yeah. If you don't think this coronavirus had anything to do with the Chinese government wanting to hurt the lone superpower in the world, America, well, then you voted for Joe Biden because the Chinese party has long-term goals. And if you're going to buy and you vote Democrat, you're just a useful idiot for China's long-term goals. The communist threat is real. And these Communist Party USA people, these revolutionary, car, uh, revolutionary Communist Party people, they're just useful idiots. They'll go along because they really, truly believe that the definition of communism will come to fruition. A system in which goods are owned in common and are available to all as needed. A theory advocating elimination of private property. America is being destroyed from within. And we are heading down that path, uh, unfortunately, with the presidency of Joe Biden. Because, by the way, he won't be the one in charge. He's, he's just an empty vessel. It'll be all those um, socialists, communists, um, people around him, Kamala Harris types, the most leftist senator in the United States Senate, who want absolute power because that's what it's about for them. Because remember, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the PBL Podcast. I know I rambled on quite a bit. There is a communist threat out there. This is just scratching the surface, by the way. So if you're one of those that are going to point out there's not a lot of detail here, you're right. It's, a, you know, it's, sure. Um, like I said, I'm just scratching the surface. I went down a rabbit hole this weekend. I found it relevant, these old articles mentioning China coming in as a superpower, what their goals are. I see what's going on in the world today. I see what's happening with the election right now. I see how Donald Trump was fighting against the Chinese. That was his number one objective, foreign policy-wise. That was his main uh, adversary, and he made it clear that we are battling against China, that he's going to hold them accountable, and that they are hurting our country economically. And he's right. And now we see what has happened in this election. Sydney Powell, one last point. Sydney Powell had mentioned that she's the not lawyer of Donald Trump. Sydney Powell had mentioned that this um, fraud, this election fraud, was funded by external sources, and she brought up the communist China. 
I mean, could she be right? She says she has the proof. I hope she does, because they are a threat. And I'd like Americans to wake up and see that they are a threat. Again, thanks for listening to this episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Uh, please do visit our social media sites, because if the communists do take control, all of this goes away. <laughs> this free thought, this free voice, it's gone. It's all gone. And you can help offset it by liking the website. If you're listening to it on iTunes, give us a subscription. Give us a, a five-star rating. Uh, please do visit our YouTube channel and follow, follow, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe as it goes. And that's how we can rise above the tech giants suppressing our voices because they like that Chinese money and they aren't willing to give it up. So if anyone comes and threatens their Chinese money, uh, they're going to shut them down. And that's what's happening all across the United States right now. Patriots, conservatives are getting their voices shut down by the big tech, tech giant Twitter. I mean, it's amazing how many accounts Twitter suspends in a day that I go through and I look at my Twitter account and I lose followers and I go and look them up and they've been suspended. It's amazing how many to do that. We see them doing that also on Facebook. Uh, we've seen them doing that on YouTube. Google does that. So you can offset this. You can help fight back. But not just this show, but any conservative show, and I've said this many times, any conservative show, any conservative voice, whether it be Republican, Libertarian, uh, like, follow, share, subscribe to those shows to help fight this because they cannot control that in the algorithm. And remember, life is not the matrix. It is an algorithm. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor.